0: Well, 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 here you are on a Monday night at 6 o'clock listening to KSKQ. And you know what that means? That, I guess it was rhetorical. (laughs) I hope that you all answered out loud (laughs) and didn't leave me hanging in silence. Anyway, it means it's time for Dream Infringement. That's
1: right, Dream Infringement, Dream Infringement, Dream Infringement, Dream Infringement. You're going to hear those two words a lot this hour you know why because this show is called dream infringement and we like to hear ourselves saying the title of the show
0: actually you're probably not going to hear it more than what we just said there we don't usually keep saying the name of our show
1: dream infringement that's correct and i would like to cordially invite all of you to sit back relax and enjoy the next I would say 54 minutes because we have a fantastic, a fantastic. That's right. You probably thinking, Bobby, uh, it's fantastic. That's how you say it. But not tonight, folks. Tonight, we have a fantastic show prepared for you.
0: That's right. Every week, we pick a theme and we tell stories and play songs based on that theme. And this week's theme is ancient people how are they like us well we will tell you it wasn't it's a not a very great it's not a a um quick theme name um it's still in the works of what we'll actually call it but just that ancient people were not so different from us after all
1: not at all they put on their um pantaloons one leg at a time just like us
0: so relatable
1: yeah that's that's true and you know uh we might see ourselves in some of the historical the historical figures that you're going to uh hear about tonight
0: so pour yourself a goblet of your favorite mead
1: grab a turkey leg
0: and Hang out with your favorite Dream Infringers, Bobby, Jennifer, and myself, Emily, for the next hour.
1: Yep. And we are going to play a song, followed by some great content. And that song is sung by none other than...
0: Rosemary Clooney.
1: That song is called Long Ago and Far Away, which is where the people we're going to talk about hail from. Enjoy. Enjoy.
2: Then I knew that all I long for long ago was you. Have you ever had bad customer service? Like really bad. So bad that you go on to whatever review app you have, and you leave a bad review, and you detail it all out. I got bad customer service here. We weren't the only ones, only if you can't leave a bad review online, where do you leave it? You might write a letter, you might rely on that old standby in Pompeii, which is leave a little graffiti, but yes, it was the same back in old days. I didn't find a date on this one, but this is a typical complaint fielded by Babylonian administrators. I am not getting water for my sesame field. The sesame will die. Don't tell me later. You did not write to me. The sesame is visibly dying. Ibi Illibrat saw it. That sesame will die, and I have warned you. So this person is holding on to an I told you so. He's probably been trying to get water for his sesame field for a while, yet no water. So he has given up. Now he just wants it documented that he let everyone know that no one can come by and say, well, you didn't tell us about the water situation. What are we going to do with the dead sesame? And he, he has thrown Ibby Illibrat under the bus. <laughs> He saw it. (laughs) He witnessed this whole thing. Yep, he's got all his bases covered. The oldest customer service complaint on record took some effort because it had to be chiseled onto a tablet in cuneiform script. And some of the oldest known customer complaints are directed at a Mesopotamian businessman named E. Nasir who, judging by the sheer number of complaints against him that survived to this day, was possibly the worst businessman of the second millennium B.C. The city of Ur, located in modern-day Iraq, was excavated in the early 20th century. One specific house contained a number of inscribed cuneiform tablets, business letters addressed to one E-Nasir. He was a member of the Alique Tillman, a guide of merchants based in Dillman. Based on more than a dozen surviving tablets squirreled away in his own house, it was discovered that E. Nasir was a copper trader, dealing mostly in wholesale ingots, finished metal products, and on occasion textiles and foodstuffs. At the beginning of his career, E. Nasir was buying and selling for the palace at Ur, and was considered a good credit risk. But at one point, he began spending more time in Dillman, causing his creditors to write him nasty letters asking where their stuff was. But the most irate of all of E. Nasir's customers is a man called Nani, who was so livid that he covered a tablet front and back, in Cuneiform Complaints. This is a little more summarized version about bad customer service and some bad copper. Now, when you had come, you spoke, saying thus, I will give good ingots to Gimel Sin. This you said to me when you had come, but you have not done it. You have offered bad ingots to my messenger, saying, If you will take it, take it. If you will not take it, go away who am i that you are treating me in this manner treating me with such contempt and that between gentlemen such as we are i have written to you to receive my money but you have neglected to return it repeatedly you have made messengers return to me empty-handed through foreign country who is there amongst the dillman traders who has acted against me in this way you have treated my messenger with contempt. With regard to that copper, as you have treated me, you have held back my money in a foreign territory although you are obligated to hand it over to me intact you will learn that here in Ur I will not accept from you copper that is not good in my house I will choose and take the ingots one by one because you have treated me with contempt I shall exercise against you my right of selecting the copper there is no indication that E Nasir replied to this complaint But evidence from his house suggests that his terrible business dealings caught up with him and his wealth declined. Part of his house was incorporated into the one next door, cramping his living space. He was also forced to branch out from copper into less lucrative markets like land speculation, real estate and even secondhand clothing. We can trace through historical records the rise and fall of E Nasir so now we're back to graffiti and pompeii (laughs) what a treasure what a wealth of knowledge who knew so this was at a herculaneum bar and it says two friends were here while they were they had bad service in every way from a guy named epaphroditus they threw him out we can't do that now Like, you gave me bad customer service. Throw them out of the restaurant. But apparently back then, you could do that. This is the house of Cuspius Panza. The finances officer of the emperor Nero says this food is poison. So he's Mm. dropping some names. I know Nero. (laughs) And somehow that makes it worse that this food is gross. Another person wrote, we peed in the bed. I confess we have erred innkeeper, if you ask why there was no chamber pot that seems rather drastic, like I mean you could ask for a chamber pot, I am assuming, but they're like no chamber pot, that's it, peeing in the bed, and there also are some travel <laughs> travel complaints. Uh, one team of researchers recently counted over one thousand inscriptions inside the tomb of Pharaoh. Ramses the Sixth in the Valley of Kings, many of which were from Romans who visited the site 2,000 years ago. Their ancient declarations include familiar complaints of disappointed tourists. I visited, and I did not like anything except the sarcophagus, and I cannot read hieroglyphs. And there was one that was just kind of cool. He's not complaining. They say, My hand will wear out. But the inscription will remain, which is a North Arabian piece of graffiti at Palmyra, and his words became a lot more true than he could ever have imagined. This song is by OK Go and it's called Here It Goes.
0: If there's one thing I know about kids, it's that kids like to doodle. They like to draw things. And the same was true for children back in the 13th century. So uh, 50 years ago, there were a bunch of birch bark manuscripts that were discovered in the Russian city of Novgorod. Um, And that is, well, it's, if you're wondering, it's 200 kilometers south of St. Petersburg, according to uh, the website I'm looking at, which, if you're anything like me, means absolutely nothing to you because we use a different form of measurement. Oh my, this is really, this is derailing quickly. I'm going to get back on track. Okay, so anyway, we're in um, Novgorod, looking at these Birch manuscripts, right? And, um, on them was just all kinds of things from back in the day. Um, they had, they found a bunch of uh letter personal letters documents containing business transactions legal disputes shopping lists school exercises tax returns wills marriage proposals prayers spells curses all kinds of things that are very similar to the kinds of documents we we have today and among these documents Um, are a collection of drawings made by a boy named Anfim. Anfim lived in the middle of the 13th century and um, Archaeologists estimate from his drawings and writings that he must have been around six or seven years old when these drawings were made. So when you look at the drawings, you can see that Onfim was supposed to be doing his homework, which included writing out the alphabet, repeating syllables, and writing um psalms. But very often Onfim got distracted and doodled on the pages. In one of the pictures, it looks like Onfim was copying letters of the alphabet in the corner of the page and then he got distracted or bored and drew a picture of himself as a warrior on horseback with a sword in one hand and impaling the enemy with a spear in the other and I feel like it's worth noting that um he draws his little people with pitchfork hands which is something that uh, my my kids have done (laughs) little little pitchforks for hands. Um, and there's another example where Onfim flipped over a piece of bark that was um, originally the bottom of a basket and drew a picture of himself disguised as a wild beast. And he wrote, I am a wild beast. <laughs> and so then the beast has a little like blurb saying, greetings from Onfim to Danilo. So they think that uh, Danilo must have been a friend or a schoolmate, and then, in another one, it appears that he is drawn like a bunch of little people, um maybe like kids in his class or something, and then there are some um passages of scriptures, and uh there's a picture of him and his mother and father with their cute little pitchfork hands. I think it's really sweet to find that kids haven't changed that much um, from Onfin's time till today. They're still like exploring their world through through pictures and drawings and imaginings um, in in just really similar ways. So I think that's pretty cool. The song I chose is We're Going to Be Friends by the White Stripes.
2: Have you ever had to call in sick to work and think, it must have been nice in the ancient times? There wasn't so many rules and regulations. You weren't working for the man. Well, micromanaging has been around a lot longer than we've had the expression for it. A 3,200-year-old Egyptian tablet shows they took attendance at work and recorded absences. 40 employees listed are marked for each day they missed with reasons ranging from illness to family obligations. Here are some of the reasons provided. For work absences, drinking with Kansu, his daughter was bleeding, brewing beer, fetching stones for the scribe, with Khans, making remedies, making remedies for the scribe's wife, suffering with his eye, embalming Hormos, strengthening the door, embalming his brother, his wife is bleeding, a scorpion bit him. His feast, offering to the god. Yes, several employees had to take time off their busy schedule to embalm and wrap their deceased relatives. I'm glad that practice isn't around today. That doesn't sound like a pleasant family Kodak moment, does it? Brewing a beer? Beer was like A very important daily fortifying drink and it was a crucial activity. The wife or daughter bleeding is a reference to menstruation. Men were needed on the home front to take care of things. Now I think we should bring that back. Why did we ever stop doing that? I like that they took it so seriously. They were like, she's in pain, my doll doesn't exist yet, so husband's going to stay home, like after the, the kids and the servants or whatever they had doing there, the embalming, the beer brewing, he had things to do. They also found different texts about 3,100 to 3,600 years ago that suggested they had a state-supported health care network designed to ensure the workers making the king's tomb were productive which is smart thinking gotta have healthy workers those big elaborate tombs so the village was allotted extra support the egyptian state paid them with monthly wages in the form of grain and provided them with housing and servants to assist with tasks such as washing laundry grinding grain and pouring water And if you think needing a doctor's note is a new thing, no. In this situation, you didn't quite need a note because your doctor was right there. Among these records, they found numerous ones detailing, again, when and why individual workmen were absent from their jobs. They found that even though some workmen were too sick to work, they still got their rations coming in. It was still paid time off. They also identified that there was a workman on the crew who was the designated physician, and he would have treated the workers with remedies and incantations found in his special medical papyrus. So, I mean, you think you can call in sick from work and like your doctor is like, hey, no. I can see you, man. Like, all day long, you've been fine. And now that we're going to do, like, the lifting of the heavy things, now you're like, oh, no, my scorpion bite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm not falling for it. Get back to work. And they're also kind of like, well, I can fix it with some honey or some grease. Those are kind of the go-to items. Anything's better than leeches and bloodletting, though, right? The song I'm going to play is by Fountains of Wayne, and it is called Sick Day.
1: Why are some dates notable? Well, maybe an important date that you hold near and dear is the day of your wedding, or the day that your child was born, or maybe the day that you lost your first tooth. There's lots of days that we remember. There's days that we try not to remember, but we can't help it because maybe bad things happened on that day. But one thing that i think is important for us to remember is that there were days between those important days there were days where maybe in our memory nothing happened so you don't take any mental note of those particular days those days maybe we categorize as boring days maybe it was a monday you got dressed for work You went to work, you came home from work, and then you went to bed. Pretty uneventful, right? Well, would it surprise you to know that there is, in fact, the most boring day that has been determined? How do we know this? Because a University of Cambridge trained computer scientist used a supercomputer program to determine that the most boring day was in fact the second sunday in april 1954. yes that's right april 11th, 1954 was the most boring day in history and how do we know this well because this supercomputer Basically, what it did was it analyzed more than 300 million facts, okay? So, there are days where famous people are born. There's a day where Bono was born. That's a significant day, I would say. There was a day when Barack Obama was born. Significant, right? There were days where famous people died. The end of an era, right? Robin Williams, when he passed away, I'll never forget that day. It made me sad but that's a day of note well on this day april eleventh, 1954 not much happened all right so do you want to know what that not much was that happened well according to the machine uh on that day a general election was held in belgium a turkish academic was born and an oldham athletic footballer called Jack Shuk- Shufflebotham died okay yeah yeah let I'm gonna let that sink in those events on the most boring day in history but apart from that not much happened and I think that's a beautiful thing because guess what folks there are more boring days than there are not boring days our lives are filled with more boring days it's like the fact it's like the time that i learned that we spend more time sleeping than we do awake or something like that it's a significant amount of time that we spend sleeping maybe that fact is totally off base and incorrect and you're probably yelling at your radio right now which is great because we want to engage our audience that's something that we we are shooting for but you know the amount of boring days that we have I'm sure significantly outnumber the most significant days And I think that that's a beautiful thing because you gotta have those boring days. They have to happen in order for us to get to the notable days. So I would just like to say, recognize the boring days, lean into the boring days, make them more boring than they already are, right? Perhaps eat a piece of buttered toast on that day watch public access uh listen to the breeze blowing through the air because those boring days are actually significant so in honor of those boring days the song that i chose to play is by ben queller and it's called nothing Happening. Enjoy tomorrow instead of right now nothing happening. It's all illusion. It's all illusion. No.
2: Today it's very common for people to get into very heated discussions on different forms of social media terrible fights, lots of accusations, slinging, writing back and forth, all for the public to see. That drama has apparently long been a part of human nature. While the people of ancient Rome didn't have social media, they did have graffiti. And we know this because of the eruption of Vesuvius in 79 AD. Though it annihilated the population of Pompeii, it perfectly preserved some of the city's walls, along with all the local commentary. Warning, some of it's a little crude. One exchange reads, Secundus defecated here! (laughs) Onesimus greets Secundus, his brother! Secundus sends very many perpetual greetings to Onesimus. Little dude-bro exchange. Now we have... Successes, a weaver, loves the innkeeper's slave girl named Iris. She, however, does not love him. Still, he begs her to have pity on him. His rival wrote this. Goodbye. Reply by Successes. Envious one, why do you get in the way? "'Submit to a handsomer man and one who is being treated very wrongly and good-looking,' replied by Severus. "'I have spoken. I have written all there is to say. You love Iris, but she does not love you.' "'This was found in the Basilica. "'Phileros is a eunuch. Epaphra, you are bald. "'Chi, I hope your hemorrhoids rub together so much that they hurt worse than they ever have before.' "'What a mean thing to say.' So they also had another problem in that there just was not enough public toilets for fans coming in to see the gladiatorial matches at the amphitheater. So fans, actually a lot of people just did their business behind houses, wherever, because there's so much graffiti and signs and notices on houses saying, like, please don't do that here This warning was written in letters that were almost a meter high on a wall near the amphitheater. It says sort of like, defecator, beware of misfortune. So a little bit of a threat, no trespassing kind of a sign there. On a water tower, it says like anyone who wants to use the restroom in this place is advised to move along. If you act contrary to this warning, you will have to pay a penalty children must pay. Silver coins, slaves will be beaten on their behinds. And then moving to away from Pompeii, of the laborers who built the pyramids in Egypt, they were divided into gangs of workers and they took credit for their efforts. I think there was a little bit of a competition. So archaeologists found inscriptions such as The Drunks of Menkauri and Friends of Khufu Gang, which were pyramid-building Egyptian kings, on bricks at the monuments of Giza. And on some monuments, there's graffiti from one gang on one side of the monument and graffiti from the competing gang on the other. So the song that I have chosen is by Lubalin. He's an artist that likes to put internet drama to music. It's about a woman who is very upset over the theft of a recipe.
1: She stole my broccoli, casserole recipe, eight years ago, and claimed it was hers. She claimed it was hers. No, you're not talking about it.
0: Hey, Bobby.
1: Hey, Emily.
0: Have you ever thought to yourself... Man, I'm nothing like a Viking. They were so dirty. Ugh.
1: I think that frequently.
0: Haven't we all?
1: Yeah, especially when I'm taking a shower.
0: <laughs> yeah, I am also frequently reminded of the misconception that Vikings were dirty and unkempt. That's right. It's a myth.
1: It, and, and I also, I think about it. When when I'm um, uh, I when I'm not sing- singing Whitney Houston songs, I'm thinking about what you just talked about. Okay. Yeah, in the shower.
0: Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is, folks. It's a myth that Vikings were dirty and unwashed. Uh, oftentimes, we picture them because of pictures we've seen <laughs> where they are. Pictured as uh, unwashed rough warriors with froth hanging from the corners of their
1: mouth. Oh, man, I've never seen that picture. You know, you're describing this. It reminds me of that episode of The Office with Prison Mike before Michael Scott performs as Prison Mike. But he's like, close your eyes. Imagine a prisoner. What do they look like? And he's like, it's a white woman. Or something (laughs) so I'm like so I'm thinking close your eyes and imagine a Viking Mm -hmm. okay you have them in in your mind okay would it surprise you to know that they're not uh, these dirty warriors with frothy mouths
0: right and we know this because um, archaeologists have found tweezers combs nail cleaners ear cleaners And toothpicks, all from the Viking age. Isn't that incredible?
1: That's, they're more like me than I thought.
0: Yeah. Cleanliness meant a lot to Vikings, which is actually, for that time period, pretty surprising. Because I think not a lot of people were, well, maybe I'm wrong. In my mind, I was like, not a lot of people were that worried about being clean. But yeah. I could be wrong. So
1: maybe think twice before you stereotype Vikings, okay? This is, this is a public service announcement.
0: Oh boy. Also does not reflect the views of KSKQ.
1: This is a dream infringement public service announcement. Cut those Vikings some slack, okay? They're cleaning their nails and picking their ears with thing with sticks and tweezers and stuff. Just like us.
0: So there is some writings um, from the year 1220, which was a couple of centuries after Vikings had ravaged England, and John of Wallingford described the Vikings as well-groomed heartbreakers. He said they had also conquered or planned to conquer all the country's best cities and caused many hardships for the country's original citizens, for they were, according to their country's customs, in the habit of combing their hair every day, to bathe every Saturday, to change their clothes frequently, and to draw attention to themselves by means of many such frivolous whims.
1: Emily, are you describing me?
0: (laughs) I know. Is this,
1: you're describing me, right? No? Okay. Let me keep
0: reading. (laughs) In this way, they sieged the w- married women's virtue and persuaded the daughters of even noblemen to become their mistresses. Oh, my. They were really, like, going for it.
1: Wow. Yeah. No, they were like the Casanovas of Vikinghood.
0: Like, look how well-groomed we are. We got it going on. We bathe every Saturday, girl.
1: Yep. Z- <laughs> uh, is there more explanation that's needed for this uh these uh, very handsome, very well-manicured Vikings?
0: Well, we know that um, they had uh, very well-groomed beards and hair. They had long fringes and short hair on the back of the head. So their beard could be short or long, but it was always well-groomed. And they shaved their necks. Like, they let their beard grow a little bit, and then they shaved the rest of it. So Beautiful. That's pretty pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, definitely. So hopefully we shattered your uh, image of what the classic Viking would have looked like and how they would have conducted themselves. Yes. And that's what we want to do. We want to shatter your perceptions and create new ones.
0: Right. And and just bring light to the fact that maybe we weren't We are not so different from Vikings after
1: all. Exactly. Maybe we aren't.
0: I bathe every Saturday.
1: (laughs) I do as well. I do as well. Well, on that note, we just want to express to you how grateful we were that you joined us for this hour and stay tuned for another fantastic episode of Dream Infringement next Monday, which we are already fervently working on. Until then, remember, people from the past were not that different than we are now in the present.
0: That's right, Bobby. So we are going to say goodbye by playing you out with a favorite Viking song by Led Zeppelin. It is Immigrant Song. That's it from Dream Infringement.
1: Bye.
0: See you next week. Bye. We love you, Miriam.